Welcome to the Details of Life, where you will hear from some of the most interesting and best minds in sports. I am your host, Marcus Wilson, and let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it feels so good to be back. Season one ended in August, and here we are back, took a little bit of a hiatus, made some upgrades, made some changes, at least I think there's some upgrades. As we continue, want to give the people what they want and what they need. Th these are fun times, just in time for basketball season, right in the middle of college football, a lot of things going on. And I'm going to bring it to you. So we primarily focus on basketball. I, I know a lot of people in a lot of different areas. And so we're going to cover a lot of that. But for some of you that this may be your first time tuning in, let me give you a little recap of season one, how we got here, and a little bit about who I am. Not too much. You'll figure it out. Season one, it was just something I wanted to do. You know, every, this was back in January before everybody had a podcast. This was before COVID hit when everybody had all this free time. And so I just wanted to start really interviewing people. And, and talking sports with a lot of my peers and colleagues and people that I knew started off was interviewed some great assistant coaches like Dave Raglan at Utah State and Chris Lowry at Kansas State went on to interview some more head coaches like Conzo Martin at Mizzou Mike Bray at Notre Dame Matt Painter at Purdue some former great players Dwayne Evans at SLU Calbert Chaney IU great Damon Stoudemire, who's a former great player and now a college coach. And so we just did a lot in season one. It was a great success for me. I enjoyed it, got a lot of good reviews. And so that's why we're back. If it, if it wasn't going good, I probably wouldn't have came back. But thank you so much for your support. Just a little bit about me for those of you who don't know. I'm from South Bend, Indiana. That's why you'll hear me speak in Notre Dame a little bit. I'm very fond of their football team. I'm a huge football, Notre Dame football fan. Um, went on to University of Evansville, played a little bit of basketball. As you can see, some of these things in the background, Hall of Fame, some of the, you know, just some, some good accomplishments there. Went on to play professional basketball for 12 years, primarily in Europe, had some summer league stints with the Jazz and the Bucks and the Knicks, but never couldn't quite make it to the league, but had a good career and a great time in Europe. And now I'm here in St. Louis doing a lot of community work. But what leads me to this is I'm also a commentator for ESPN+. Plus. Uh, and Missouri Valley Conference and University of Evansville, which puts me in contact with a lot of these coaches that I talk to. And that's what led to this podcast. So with that being said, that's how we got to where we're at. I'm excited to get into season two. Before we bring on today's guests, I would like to dive into some, some interesting topics all across the sports world that has happened this past week. So let's get started. The biggest story of the weekend, no doubt, was boxing. Roy Jones, Mike Tyson, Nate Robinson, and Jake Paul. Wow. What? There's a lot to be unpacked right there. There were a lot of memes this weekend, guys, from Nate Robinson taking a tough L. I was going to crack some jokes here, but you know what? Every, every day I was on the internet for the last 48 hours, it's been nothing but Nate Robinson memes. I'm not going to add on to that. I could imagine what that man is going through. As you see some of the memes right now, they, they, the internet never loses, guys. Don't challenge the internet. And uh, as we saw, Nate Robinson took two L's this weekend, not only in the ring, but on the internet. Interesting fight. Congratulations to Jake Paul for the win. Hey, he said he was going to do it, and he did it. Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, like Snoop said, looked like two uncles fighting in the backyard. But it was interesting. Wish we could have saw this fight about, what, 15, 20 years ago? But here they are, and it was interesting. I thought Mike Tyson won. Maybe they agreed before the fight there would be a draw. I didn't even think it was close. 
but they called it a draw, and it is what it was. The big winner, Snoop Dogg. I think every athlete, every fan wants to hear Snoop Dogg on more commentating games. I would love to do a game with Snoop Dogg. I mean, the guy was hilarious. Besides just watching the fights, his commentary brought that thing to a whole nother level. So the big winner was Snoop Dogg. So besides being one of the all-time hip-hop greats, he might have just found himself a new career in sports commentating. Moving on to college basketball, guys. My alma mater, University of Evansville, lost to Prairie View A&M, 21st loss in a row. I'm going to have to address that until we get a win. Hopefully things turn around there. Come on, Aces, got to pull that together. Big winner of the weekend, in my eyes, the Atlantic 10 Conference. Really has some big wins. St. Louis University beat LSU, and then we saw Richmond knock off Kentucky. Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm talking to the people from the NCAA right now, when it comes time for the tournament, whether it's March Madness or whenever that occurs, and I hope it will, take these wins into consideration. You had two of the top teams in the A-10 versus two of the top teams in the SEC. A-10 won both. They should get the nod. Looking like the A-10 can have multiple, multiple teams in the NCAA tournament this year. Gonzaga looked good. Baylor looked good at one and two. Virginia, Villanova took some L's, but this is why we play the season. If all we did was have a top 25 and say those would be the final four teams, there would be no need to play the games. This is why we play, and this is the beauty of college basketball. Moving on to college football, I thought the biggest story of the weekend was just the equity movement, the equity movement. We saw Sarah Fuller become the first women's player to ever get a snap in a Power 5 football game. That's big time. You know what? I'm so happy for her. I was very disappointed by some of the fans and some of their comments about how they were wishing that she would fail and get her head knocked off and all these things. Guys, come on. This is why we need more equity all across the board, not only in sports, but in life. Shout out to you, Sarah Fuller, for being a trailblazer and leading the way in this. Hopefully you get some more snaps. Can't wait till you get some points on the board and knock down a field goal. Alabama football, still legit. Number one. I have no complaints about that. I am a Notre Dame football fan, and I do think Alabama should be number one. They look like a very well-rounded team. I see no weaknesses with them right now as they dismantled Auburn again um, this past weekend. Notre Dame, however, did look good knocking off North Carolina. I do think they, they should be the number two team in the country. People always hate. They say, oh, you beat Clemson without uh, Trevor Lawrence. Hey, you know what? Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. Clemson still had the ACC's all-time leading rusher in the backfield which Notre Dame kept him very quiet. That quarterback that they had in there, he's going to be playing in the NFL one day. That dude's a stud. They still haven't lost a game except to Notre Dame, and I do think they were one of the top four teams in the country, so I do have Notre Dame at number two in my polls. Ohio State, they're going on tricky ground right now, you know, because if they don't get this COVID situation clear, they may not be able to play against Michigan State. Who knows what happens the next week against Michigan. If they don't make it to the Big Ten Conference Championship game, Although they do look like one of the top four teams in the country, and no doubt they have top four talent, again, this is why we play the games. If it wasn't for playing the games, we would just come out with rankings before the season and say, you know what, you top four, you're the champions, or go to the final four and play it out. Ohio State has to play these last two games and get to the Big Ten championship game, in my opinion. Otherwise, I don't think they deserve to be in the college football playoffs. Moving on to the NFL, again, the equity movement. Callie Brownson moving in as a tight ends coach for the Browns. Shout out to you for the Browns for doing that. Speaking of the Browns, eight and three. 
Cleveland fans have been waiting for seasons like this forever. They don't come along often, guys, so you better appreciate it and count your blessings while you have it. Looks like they're going to make the playoffs happy for the Browns. The Broncos, they tried to get a coach to come on and play. You know things are bad when you're subbing in a coach for a player. We know what happened with the – well, maybe you don't know what happened, but all of their QBs were eliminated because of various reasons, and they tried to sub in a coach. When you're trying to do that, you got to expect the outcome won't be good. They only completed three passes the whole game, and two were to the other team. That's not a good place to be. Broncos took a bad L. They need to get some quarterbacks back. Derrick Henry and Tyreek Hill dominated the weekend. If you played against them in fantasy football, you probably lost. Tough. But those two guys, man, they're, they, they are explosive, not only on the field, but when you're playing against them on family, fantasy football, as well as Patrick Mahomes, you always got to be scared because they can go off just like they just did. The rest of the NFL is just injuries, COVID. I didn't get into fantasy a lot this year for that reason, because fantasy is always determined by injuries. And then you add COVID, which I knew would be a factor, and it's just it's out of control. And so I don't really like the product being put out there right now. I just it's so unpredictable and that's what it is that's my recap for the weekend hopefully you enjoyed it we'll continue doing that like I said I'm a sports fan most of you guys are if you're tuning in so we'll we'll continue doing that moving on to our guest of the evening today we have coach Darian DeVries head coach of Drake basketball in the Missouri Valley Conference coach DeVries played at Northern Iowa from 94 to 98 Upon graduation, went on to Creighton as a grad assistant for three years, from 98 to 01. And from there, he was an assistant coach for 18 years, one of the longest tenured assistant coaches in the country. Finally got his opportunity for a head coaching job in 2018-19. And you know what he did with it? Won the Missouri Valley Conference Championship and MVC Coach of the Year. The guy can flat out coach. Guys like Darian, in my opinion, turn out to be some of the better coaches because they come from smaller schools or they may not be overly talented when they play. I mean, he was a good player. Don't get me wrong. We competed. But when you look at some of the really good players that have tried to coach, I'm talking like the uh, Clyde Drexlers and the Mark Prices and uh, some of those guys, it has been sometimes really ugly. Don't get me wrong. Some NBA guys are really doing a good job. Like I mentioned, Damon Stoudemire is doing well. Fred Hoiberg was awesome. Pat Ewing, Anthony Hardaway are doing well. But generally, I see some of these guys that come from D2, D3, small D1s. What it is is they know the game so well, and they had to know the details in order to even compete. You know, you're not some guy with 6'8", with extraordinary, uh, extraordinary talent, right? They had to know every shortcut. They had to work harder. They had to do a lot to even compete, and they know how to teach that to their players, which turns into wins. Coach DeVries is doing a great job. Off to a great start this year, 2-0, and oh, starting off the season with a big win at Kansas State, then knocked off South Dakota. They're now sitting at 2-0, and oh, and it looks like they're going to be formidable in the MVC again. Now, I will preface this interview, guys, was done over the summer right before we took our hiatus. So we were talking about what it would be like to be on the court with these guys, speaking somewhat in future tense. The future is here and now, and without further ado, Let's bring in Coach Darren DeVries from the Drake Bulldogs. Like I just prefaced, ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined by Drake Bulldogs head coach Darren DeVries. How you doing, Coach? 
Hey, doing great, Marcus. Uh, uh, good to be here, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's good to have you. And it's always even better when it's someone I've been knowing for 20-something plus years because of our plan day. So I guess we'll start there. You were there from 94 to 98 in Northern Iowa. I was 95 to 99. So we played against each other for three years. So what were some of your best memories of your time at Northern Iowa? And then also, like, who were some of the best players that you had a chance to play against while you were while you, in the Valley while you were at Northern Iowa? Yeah, I know some of my best memories weren't playing against you because you did. <laughs> I helped you towards some type of scoring title on the of it. So that's uh, no, it was, it, those were fun years, you know. It, uh, I think you look back and there's a lot of great players, but I, I think what's really cool is you know guys like yourself and you know Dan Moeller in the league and and uh, Troy Hudson and it just multiple multiple guys. Uh, guy on my staff, Matt Woodley, Aaron Thomas, uh, you know. Guys that you just, uh, after you're done playing, you continue relationships with, or and maybe you don't see them for a long time, and then you, you pick it up and can talk uh, talk a few hoops. I know LJ Goolsby and I give each other some grief every now and then when he was at Wichita State and I was at Northern Iowa. So, uh, But fun memories, you know. Wish I could still play. Uh, but uh, my vertical's about the same, so that hasn't changed. We're still at about a 12, so, so that, that part's good. I, w I hated playing at Northern Iowa. It's just the – the depth perception of the rims and everything. But I was talking with Dan Moeller when he was on, and I was saying, like, the top three players that I remember playing against, um, I thought was uh, Rodney Buford, in no, no specific order, Rodney Buford, Rico Hill, Jason, well, Anthony Parker. Anthony, Anthony Parker's probably number one. He kicked my butt every time he played. Anthony Parker, uh, Rodney Buford, Rico Hill, Jason Daisy was a monster, and Troy Hudson. Like I mean, those. Troy and you Troy had Hudson was a problem for me. <laughs> he was I a problem for everybody. He was a half court line, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you had a chance to play against, uh, I believe, Chris Carr at '94 at Southern, and I heard he was a monster as well. Yeah, he was I, good. I, I they, yeah, their team was really good. They had they had a really nice team. Yeah, man. Some so, and like you said, it's so good to see you guys. Some of you former players back in. Uh, the conference coaching. So when did you start to realize that you wanted to coach? And then also, could you tell us how did you get your break into coaching? Yeah, I, I went into college trying to be a teacher and a coach. And, and as I got closer towards graduating, um, really wanted to explore trying to get into college coaching. And, and my head coach at the time, Eldon Miller, you know, reached out to some people. He had reached out to Gary Garner, who was at Southeast Missouri State at the time. And uh, Larry Shiat, who was up at Wyoming at the time, and, and then Dana Altman at Creighton. And we were just looking, because it was kind of new at the time, kind of that graduate position. It was just starting to kind of, you know, come about where teams were adding that type of spot. And, um, and Larry Shiat, while we were kind of talking with him, he, had, he, he moved on and went to Clemson. And then it was Southeast Missouri State and Creighton and, and uh, ended up going to Creighton. And um, that's kind of how I got started with it, getting my master's and things, and then was able to slide into a coaching position a few years, uh, you know, down the road. So, and then uh, was there for quite a long time after that. So. Yeah, yeah. So while you were at Creighton, you were one of the longest tenured assistants in the country. Uh, went over there, had a chance to coach with some, some really great coaches, which we'll get to that. But also wanted to know, it's always difficult when teams shift conferences, you know. And so I've seen, you know, me being from South Bend, I've seen Notre Dame shift conferences from Big East, ACC, and Butler, and a lot of these schools, and you were part of it with Creighton. So what was that transition like going from the MVC to the Big East while you were at Creighton? 
Yeah, they always say time is everything. I, I think it worked out uh, about as good as it could have for us because we had Doug McDermott coming back for his senior year, and and we had a uh, just a veteran team. We I think we started four seniors that year. So um, so when you're going from the Valley to the Big East and making that jump, to have a veteran squad, you know, with a lot of experience, I think really helped us in that first year make that transition and. And anytime you got Doug McDermott on your team, you got, you got a chance to be pretty good. So we ended up finishing second that first year. And I think that was huge for us because it really kind of propelled us, you know, almost instantly to giving us some credibility within the league and, and getting us uh, some solid footing instead of having to start from the bottom, you know, from year one and work your way up. Uh, now the following year when we, all those guys graduated, we had to kind of rebuild it again. But uh, at least we were able to recruit to, you know, the success we had in year one in the Big East and, um, but that was that was fun. It was a fun transition for, for, uh, for especially with that team. It made it really enjoyable. It was awesome to see just the immediate success. It, it gave credibility to Creighton, and it, to me, it gave some credibility to the Valley. The fact that you were able to have that type of success early on, like you said, you had you coached multiple pros uh, at Creighton. Probably the most famous is Doug McBuckets, as, as as people call him, but Doug McDermott and everything. But as a coach, you know, I know a lot of times coaches jump around. They get in multiple areas. They get a, a large coaching tree. They, they, they go here, they go there, three, four, five years. You were at Creighton from the time you graduated in 98 all the way until recently and only coached under two different coaches, which two great coaches. So what, did, what was it like coaching under Coach Altman and Coach McDermott? And what were you able to learn from them to help prepare you for the success you've had as a head coach? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's awesome for me. I, for 20 years, I was with two of the best coaches in the game, in my opinion. And, and uh, they're, they're both uh, different and, and both the same at, at uh, kind of how they approach it every day. They're just so steady in what they do and, and consistent and how they go about teaching kids and, uh, and motivating kids. And uh, so to be able to learn under those two guys for, for 20 years, um, I mean, what an opportunity of a lifetime for as a coach. So, you know, from my standpoint, uh, you know, there's no re reason to really want to be anywhere else when you're at a great school, great place, great situation, working with awesome people, have, uh, you know, incredible players throughout the years that you've really enjoyed, you know, being a part of their lives and seeing them grow on now after college and, and do tremendous things. So, uh, it, it was an awesome time for me that those 20 years while I spent it at Creighton and, and then getting the opportunity to move on to Drake uh, after that. Getting to where you're at right now, you, you arrived at Drake. And I remember reading the ESPN article and it was saying that, you know, kind of gave your history and it said that you had a, a uphill climb to rebuild Drake your first year because you had lost so many players, was only returning one starter. Well, as history showed, you won 24 games your first year won the Valley, MVC Coach of the Year, went to some postseason play. And so how did you make that turnaround happen so quickly? And then also, did you know that you were going to be good? Like once you started signing guys, did you know, like, we have a chance to be good? Or did things just start rolling and you kind of caught fire? What was that like taking over that program and, and turning it around so quickly? Yeah, it, it, uh, when we first took it over, we weren't sure, you know, how that year or, that, you know, those first couple of years were going to play out. But uh, once we, we got a couple of grad transfers, Nick Norton and Brady Ellis, and Nick Norton was the first one to, to commit to us. And then we, we signed uh, uh, some junior college players, uh, uh, Tramel Murphy and Anthony Murphy, twins from Florida, Florida Southwestern, and then um, uh, DJ Wilkins came with them as well. So all of a sudden we went from only having three scholarship guys and one, one uh, 
uh, one starter to having a really veteran group of guys, you know, some older guys that played a lot of basketball. And I knew once we get, once we got into the summer and we started our workouts and stuff, just having been in the Valley for all those years, I, I knew our, our talent, uh, you know, was pretty good. And then it comes down to, you know, how does everything else play out with the chemistry and all that stuff. And we were just fortunate. We just had an incredible group of guys that, you know, we had recruited them all. They were all excited. They just were eager and, and hungry to, to win and learn. And, and uh, they just had fun with it. And that's, uh, you know, when the wins started piling, piling up, they got confident. And that, that momentum uh, just became contagious within the group. And so uh, we were able to kind of get things kick-started that first year to, uh, to, to get it going. And then, and like I said, just really thankful that that group of guys was the group we got to start out with. Yeah, man, it was a great group of guys, but also you're being pretty humble, man. I, th I, I thought it was awesome to see you get coach of the year, your first year as a head coach. You, you prepare for that moment your whole life. What's it going to be like to run your whole program? And so to finally get there and to have that immediate success with the team and personally, man, was awesome to see just, you know, just from the outside looking in and watching that. That was awesome. What are some of your thoughts on next season's team, you know, or returning players, any guys that you've signed, any guys that were sitting out last year that you think might have an impact? What are, you, what are some of your thoughts for next season, Coach? Yeah, I'm really excited about our group. I, I like our guys. Again, I think we got great chemistry, and uh, uh, they seem really committed, really hungry. Um, we have a lot of guys back that played a lot last year, and then we have some guys that were sitting out, uh, uh, some new guys. Uh, uh, so I think we got a great blend. Um, last thing, I always close up with this is the details of life. And I always ask people who have had some success, what are the details of them being successful? Are there any daily routines or self mantras or habits that you have that you think has, has contributed to your level of success? No, I think the biggest thing that I've always just tried to do is just be as genuine as possible with people. I think people really respect that. Um, you know, you try to be honest with people and, and, and treat them as, as well as you can. And doesn't like even in coaching, it doesn't mean you're always right. You know, we make as coaches, we make plenty of mistakes too. But you know, as you know, players players get that as well. And and when they know they have your trust and and vice versa, that relationships there, they understand mistakes from your end, and and you understand them from their end. So uh, I, I've just tried every day to try to just be genuine with guys, honest with them, and and just try to help them as best I can. And and uh, uh, that's made it fun for me. It's it's I've told our team this the whole time is. You know, I've been in coaching now for 23 years or whatever. It's uh, I don't want to be miserable every day. I want to have fun doing what we do because uh, I want to do this for a long time. I want them to enjoy it and have fun with it. And um, That starts with us coaches having fun with it because it makes it easier for everybody just to have a good time with it. And uh, it doesn't mean you don't work and, and have some, you know, some, some really good after it days. But uh, at the end of the day, you, you want this game to be fun for everybody. It's fun watching your style of play. You guys get up and down and put some points on the board. So it's always fun watching you play. I'm rooting for you. Hopefully you have a good season. Before I let you go, I will say this. I follow you on Twitter and I wanted to let, let you know and let all the followers know we're still in the middle of this social justice time and everything. And there was a statement that you and your staff put out signed by you and all the coaches. And there's been a lot of statements that's been put out. Some just felt forced and some felt like fluff. But when I read yours, man, it resonated with me and I appreciate uh, those the sincerity behind the words of wanting to be a part of change in this country. So on a personal note, I appreciate that coach. Yeah. Thanks Marcus. It's been great seeing you buddy. Yeah. Uh, hope, hope things are well down there. All right, man. Good luck to you. We'll be in touch and good luck next season. All right. Yeah. Thanks Marcus. Peace. Thank you coach DeVries for coming on. I sincerely appreciate you making the time. 
You're off to a great start this year. Looking forward to seeing your team compete. Good luck to you. As for you, ladies and gentlemen, what I need you to do is to tune in here every Tuesday. That's right. Every Tuesday, we will be releasing a new episode of The Details of Life on YouTube. You can check the link or any of your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're probably on it. Continue to like, subscribe, and share. I can't grow without you. I need you, and I appreciate your support. That wraps up this episode of The Details of Life, where we're going to continue to bring you great content from great people, because you know what? That's right. Greatness is in the details, guys. Y'all be safe out there. See you next week. I'm out. Peace. Oh.